0: Hello, welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm Casey Rossi, your transformative business coach. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Jodi Amen. Jodi has been an intuitive counselor for over 20 years. She encourages you to overcome anxiety and to live happier. Through humor and warmth, her popular YouTube channel inspires thousands of people all over the world to get rid of fear, expand their consciousness, and live with vitality. Having clawed her way out of her own anxiety and depression, Jodi shares her story of stepping into her personal power and shows you how, in her best-selling book, You Won, Anxiety Zero, win your life back from fear and panic. She'll teach you how to change limiting beliefs, calm life's chaos, create peace, and embody happiness in your life. Sounds good to me. Without further ado, here's Jodi. So Jody, thank you so much for being here. I am psyched to kind of have this conversation with you and dive right in. Excellent.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, you've been a very busy entrepreneur, <laughs> but I would love it if you could take a moment to just reverse the clock just a little bit. Take us back to maybe a couple decades ago. What brought you to your work?
1: Well, yeah, it was decades ago, actually. I would say it's back in high school, which is really interesting because that's where we met. We went to high school together. Um, I wanted to be an architect. I love creating, and I, and I think I'm a designer, but I started to volunteer at school for a lot of different programs, and it just felt so awesome mm-hmm. to help people, to meet people, to, to uh, understand where people are and help them be with them in those hard times and take them hopefully to better times and so I switched to social work when I was looking at colleges and when I was thinking so sophomore in high school architect my senior year I was like I want to help people for a living so I went to social work school never looked back it's just been um, one of the best uh, decisions that I've ever made I love what I do each day Mm. Wow. That's amazing.
0: So in um, the, probably the last time I saw you was a couple years ago, you were having a woman's circle. <clears throat> and aside from like getting over drooling of your absolutely beautiful abode, which is just like beyond, um, I was so struck with your ability to connect with people. It was just so authentic and genuine. So I'm not surprised that it lights you up on a daily basis. Um, how did that kind of get cultivated? Like you learned that by senior year, but was there like a specific event or was it just a, an accumulation of many things that you just were like, I really dig this. This is something I want to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of the things I volunteered for was I I was in a sewing group with people in a uh, psychiatric hospital. So I helped, I was paired up with a woman named Nadia and helped her sew. And it was so rewarding. And another thing I did was I I volunteered at a hotline for kids who were latchkey kids. It means kids who came home from school by themselves. They were a little bit young, but they were old enough to be alone. And so it was a place for them to call if they felt lonely. And Mm -hmm. so that was that. And then the other thing was in, we did Christmas baskets. So we went and visited, we asked what people wanted for Christmas and they couldn't get the things themselves. And then we brought them over in the final day and I went with my teacher, we, we did our classroom, the Christmas baskets, and then we had our own, um, we had some extra people, and so a few of us got together and went to this woman's house who was bedridden, she couldn't get out of bed, and we went and we prayed with her, and she said some things to me that made me understand that like I had a mission in this life. That, um that I really needed to go and and divest myself of whatever ego and and just be with people and the other thing that touched me I know there's so many things that influenced my life was like reading Leo biscaglia I, the mm-hmm. book love I mean I don't know it it's so, you don't hear about that book that very often, but man, it just touched my life in so many ways. And it just was about walking with people and holding their hand. And so that's what I was committing to. I was so lonely at that time myself. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that people need people to walk with them and hold their hand. And that's really that's beautiful. the that's underneath all of what I do. That's absolutely beautiful. And I know that you've said in the past that you've kind of had to claw your
0: way out of your own fear and anxiety. At what stage in your life did that kind of come in? Was that baked in from a young age or was it when you started kind of getting into
1: adulthood and listening to society's messages? Like how did that unfold for you? Uh, I was introduced to anxiety when I was just five years old. So it, it happened, started quite young and started panic attacks and anxiety, I learned what death was and that freaked me out. I felt like I had no security at all if I could lose it at any time. And so I I was, I realized the world was dual at that point, you know, and, and that suffering is there around. And so I um, really spent the next 20 years on and off with anxiety episodes where I'd have huge panic attacks. And at first I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just nausea. I mean, I felt the fear, and the terror, but I thought it was, you know, I was like, I hate being nauseous. I hate it so much. It's so awful to be nauseous. But that was really anxiety.
0: Whoa.
1: That was so horrible. I didn't really know until I was in my twenties, what it actually was. And when I was in my upper twenties, I, I mean, I'm not telling the the whole story, my story. If you look on YouTube, Jody Eamon and say my anxiety story, you'll get the whole story. Oh, awesome. Awesome. But I, you know, I made that decision that I cannot live like this for my kids, for my family. I just needed, you know, I needed to go a different direction. I mean, literally I couldn't get out of bed at that point. And so, um, can do your mission. You can't help people in bed. Yeah, absolutely. Did you suffer
0: in silence from like five to 25? Like, did your parents know, did you kind of, was it just something you dealt with?
1: Well, my parents knew when I was five, because I couldn't be alone. You know, at that point, I lost like a third of my body weight when I was in grammar school. And then, you know, when it came off and on, my doctor actually diagnosed me with stomach migraines. I haven't really heard about that since. So I don't know if you made that up. But um, so that's I couldn't eat. but it was really anxiety. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of history of anxiety in my family. So, you know that in some way, in some ways, I learned it from my dad. Really, when I asked him about death, this is where it all came came from. But so we were familiar, so familiar with with anxiety, and it just was kind of a normal way of life. And I didn't always tell my parents everything all the time, you know. Um, and there was a lot of chaos in my house, and so that I think contributed a lot to my feeling insecure. Absolutely. And yeah, so when I was in my twenties I mean, you don't tell anyone back then, 20 years ago, you don't tell anyone you had anxiety. Now, I love it. All the celebrities are saying it, people feel so much better that they're not alone. Still, there's tons of people who feel alone with their anxiety, but man, it's so rampant and and everybody and their sister has it. And so I don't know how people could feel alone anymore, but they do. But I, I, I just applaud all these celebrities and all these Uh, thought leaders coming out and really being honest about their experiences so people don't feel so different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I remember seeing an interview with Cher and she was like, I still feel like I could throw up before I perform. And you're just like, here's this gorgeous icon. And to hear her say that she gets nervous to the point of wanting to vomit, you're just like, really? Because that doesn't translate at all.
1: I know. It makes me better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love two things. One, that you really have this innate experience. So you're so grounded. And I think that that's where a lot of this compassion comes in. And two, like I caught your TEDx talk on children and it was so good and like how to help them overcome anxiety through simple chores. And I'm all about that accountability, but I love the way that you broke down that it empowers them and you gave some really simple, awesome tips on the whys and what they can do and tedious chores like folding laundry or vacuuming. So how was that experience for you to kind of get up there on the stage um, and be like that front and center authority?
1: Wow, it, it was great. You know, I mean it took months. Actually it took years because I applied to other venues or I was I was invited to audition other venues, but it never really worked out because I think I just didn't land the idea really well. Because there's so much I teach. I mean, you go to my YouTube channel, I have over two hundred videos. Like I have so much stuff that I could share. And so to fix to say you have ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what is the biggest idea? And the, this, I did get it. I, I got the biggest idea that I really wanted people to know because maybe this is all that they'll know about me is seeing my TEDx talk. And so I really wanted people to understand anxiety because anxiety is so mysterious. And when it's mysterious, it it impacts people so much more. Anxiety has so much more power that way. And so if I break it down and explain where it came from, why we're all experiencing this right now, and then give ideas of what to do about it, I I feel like I could, I can make a huge difference. And that's why massively huge difference. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I think it's really, I I, I love it. It's, you know, I talk about the messages that we get constantly all day and how this, all of these messages, our kids are bombarded with 4,000 messages a day from screens. Uh, And not only just screens, like, on product, on like boxes that wrap products or on billboards or, I mean, everywhere, right? The, the advertised bumper stickers. I mean, these advertisements are everywhere. And so they really affect us in a lot of ways. Like, what are they doing to how we feel about ourselves? A lot, Absolutely.
0: And actually, one of the things just because like I'm so in the business world and like my passion is helping, you know, women solopreneurs. And so when I was listening to that talk, I was immediately doing parallels to women and solopreneurs. And I was really thinking like adults are also subjected to those messages and those feelings of insecurity and the beautiful, glossy social feeds that are so curated that can really make you feel like you're absolutely behind the eight ball, or not pretty enough, or not thin enough, or all of the messages, um, how do you find that that translates into adults and into business people? And then also, do you have tips for maybe somebody listening that is just like, yeah, I am so afraid to do video, or there's just no way that I'm going to do a public speaking engagement? I would love to hear your expertise on that.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. I do video coaching for entrepreneurs also because I've been doing videos so long and it, it just, it's, it's a honed skill. So I, I didn't, it was, you know, <clears throat> I didn't know what I was doing when I started, but now I really understand how to talk to a camera and how to talk to the people that I want to talk to, like really personally. So I, I, um, there is a couple tips that I do share with people that really help make that difference. Like just to, to feel the person that you're talking to, like feel them as if they, they were there sitting there. And, and I, I, I do this thing like, so when I'm talking to the camera, I thinking about what is going on in someone's body when they're listening to what I'm saying. Mm. What is the question that's coming to their mind when they hear it? You know, because words are dual, and so people are questioning everything that you say, and and they're filtering it through what they understand their own paradigms of their life. And so you have to make sure you are putting those caveats in if people think it this way or people are starting to judge themselves. If you say this, like, I know if I say something, I know people are going to judge themselves. Not that I'm judging them. It's just what people do. Yeah. So I'm going to want to add a little thing in there to, to help with that. And so that's how I, you know, that's how I help people prep for videos to learn. I had to learn all um, adult learning theory, like how to, you know, not to just ramble like uh-huh. I now, mean, <laughs> it's it has, so big. It it's is so big. big. Like and it have is to learn. a
0: learned trait, like you said.
1: It is a learned trait. I did You know, it's a social worker, so I worked with people one on one in a room. I'm a, a intuitive counselor, a psychotherapist, a coach, and so I work with people one on one. And so, the, so understanding how to give a speech, a, a video and a speech is the same. So if you gave, you know, you have like a theme, and then give like a numbered list, it's because that helps people take it in and process it and and do something with it. If you just go on, it's hard to get something out of it. And stories are good. We learn so much through stories because that's how our brain works. We understand the world through stories. And that's why stories are so powerful. Absolutely.
0: Uh, And it's so interesting because many times when someone is educating Um, they're coming from a good place. You know, like I've had this experience myself, like where I've done a workshop or a meetup and I'm educating and I'm like a freight train. And then I realize after, oh my gosh, like, what did I do? Because It's coming from a place of like, I want to over deliver. I want to make sure that you're getting the maximum amount. But as you know, you kind of grow and you learn and you pay attention with your eyes open for feedback. It's almost like I had heard a quote that really touched me. It was like education without like assimilation and implementation equals depression.
1: Mm. And that
0: really allowed me to sit with it and be like, whoa, because there's inaction then if they didn't have an opportunity to do like a breakout group or to ask a question or to have you pause for a moment and maybe interject story or open it up for questions then they're just feeling overwhelmed like wow they may know their stuff but i have absolutely no idea what i just went through and how am i going to make this like mm. you know doable in the end so like how can i make this benefit me in the end so I do think it's a skill, whether it's an in-person thing or a video, so I'm really happy that you're talking about that. I did catch your public speaking one on YouTube, and I thought that that was awesome. I love that you give people permission to be nervous.
1: Yeah, I mean, it means you care, right? If you're not nervous or you're not apprehensive, before, even before I start with a client, before I go on stage, whatever I do, it's like you have to care about what you're doing and ha- and care about how people, what people are going to get from it. And I think that does make us a little bit nervous and it charges us up a little bit. You know, it makes us, makes us, I don't know, work harder, practice more and, and really deliver mm-hmm. because we want to. And so I don't know, it shows that you care. I mean, obviously you're paralyzed. It's not helpful. <laughs> but if you, If you recognize that nervousness and know that it means that you care, at least you have something to do with it, you know. And then you go up there and just do it. And a lot of times, people are once they start, it's they're fine. Yeah, it's that step, and it can be months of worrying about the speech, and then you get up there. And once you start, man, time goes fast, you know. (laughs) It's over. You know, if I do like an hour talk somewhere, man, that hour goes so fast. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much more to share. But um, yeah, so that, that comes with practice, trying to get it all in or knowing, you know, what you could do. Absolutely. So if someone was going to kind of come into your world
0: for the very first time, everything looks so beautiful and so together and thousands and thousands of subscribers, I would love it if you could get a little vulnerable and bring us back to a time when it wasn't so beautiful. Like what business struggle did you have to overcome to kind of get to where you are now?
1: Well, I think my biggest business struggle is um, finding the right people to help. You know, I mean, I've been doing this for over 10 years. And even my brick and mortar, mortar, you know, so I've had a therapy practice and I had other therapists in and they paid rent and I did everything for them. My, and I had the employee. So it's just years and years of, because this is it. I see people's potential. I see so much potential in everyone, but that doesn't re- relate necessarily to what they can do in the moment or what they think they could do. And so a lot of times they're, they're not living to their potential. And so they're not, they weren't doing the job. Okay. And that, um, that just got repeated over and over. But the last couple of years I found some, the the contractors that I've worked with now, um, have been fantastic. And so I think I, I figured out, you know, if you're in a high performance job Mm -hmm. and you do, you know, if I'm in the business, so now I am online, I still work with people. I work in a lot of different capacities, but I am high performance. I do a lot of stuff. I'm prolific. I put a lot out there. absolutely and need someone to match that energy. and if they can't, um, they, you know, they can't they're not for you. So and speaking
0: specifically of your client, like your ideal client, you need them to be able to show up and do the work. Is I just want to clarify if I'm understanding this correctly. Oh, no, I'm talking about employees, my employees. Oh, employees. Okay, very good. Oh, okay. So your initial struggle was getting a team
1: to kind of help support as you grew? Yes. Okay, very yes. good. I thought yes. you were So from the beginning, so from like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, my clients love them. I love them. I feel like they come to me all on purpose. Hmm. Um, I love my clients. I've had trouble getting help, uh, you know, hiring the right people, the right contractors, the right employees in the past that you wanted me to be vulnerable. I'm saying, well, that was, this is my vulnerable part because absolutely, it, feels, and I it so felt like that. an abandonment to me that, you know, um, and and I had a mentor one time say, you see people's potential, don't you? <laughs> that's why you keep picking the wrong person. Like, that's, what that's what I'm talking about.
0: Got it. So what do you do now? Because employees and hiring independent contractors, as we grow, that is just always kind of like a challenge, I think, for entrepreneurs. So have you kind of come up with something? Like, do you have... Uh, pre-screening or do you have how do you do it like what have you done to simplify your process to get that fast vibrational match
1: I think I I have to look at what work they've done already so they really have to have a website with some some solid examples of what they've done and so that I could see that they are you know where their performance level at where their capability is so they might have tons of potential but I want to see that they could put it In practice, and have for I want I want someone experienced, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so yeah, and I think that's really helped. I mean, I use my intuition a lot, but I really need the the practical uh, evidence there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: The results speak for themselves, so that's for sure. That's a really really good tip for any of our listeners that are at a point where they need to grow their team or get support. You know, always take a look at. Real testimonials, and if they're including a link to the testimonials website, I always go and check that website as well. you know, so it 's just yeah. like how alive is the person that they helped, like how active and modern and and with it so I think you can dig a little bit deeper because many times you know you can put together something glossy, but I think when you take that time to go a little bit deeper, you can bet a lot easier
1: yeah, you really take your time, take your time don't just go in references from other people Mm -hmm. because they just may, they, you know, they may be playing smaller than you are. So that person's great for them, but it's not for you. Uh, and so, yeah, I stopped doing that because I would take people's recommendations and say, Oh, there's a reason why you said name this person. (laughs) <laughs> it could have been for them and not for me, so yeah, absolutely. I would
0: love to go back to the ideal client just for a moment because I'm wondering, I'm very curious about your thoughts about niching. You know, people say niche or niche, but I'm wondering like, you would mentioned storytelling and then you mentioned like being so blessed to have your ideal clients attracted to you. I'm wondering, like have you pivoted
1: or like honed your niche down through the years? No, that, that probably is, um, you know, not necessarily good for business, but man, I love everybody. So I work with young kids. I work with teenagers. I work with couples. I work with adults. I do, I have video coaching clients and business coaching clients and I do conflict resolution in businesses. So I may be all over the place. I do, I do live speaking events and day long retreats or weekend long retreats so I love all of it. I don't when you're talking about story or you're talking about changing a person's story it doesn't really matter what the problems are because I don't have like a methodology that I go through with everybody Everybody is different. This person has to go that way and this person has to go that way. And so when they come in the room, I begin or whenever I'm meeting them online or something, I come with a beginner's mind and I say, what does this person need? Yeah, that's
0: awesome. I love that it's highly customizable. I think that you probably have the best results in that way when you can just meet them exactly where they are and then just create their own story right on the spot
1: for them. Exactly, exactly. So unravel that dominant story that's causing problems, Mm -hmm. and then building the story that's there, but it's just subordinated, you know, that needs to kind of come out and have life breathed into it. And that's, you know, you could do that with any kind of problem at any age. So yeah. it's not. So I don't restrict to a certain niche, but obviously I wrote a book about anxiety. I do have a lot of videos on self help, anxiety, um, loving yourself, those kind of things, letting go of the past. I do a lot of work with people in trauma, and and so you know that's why you know all my videos are really about self confidence. So they have a
0: commonality letting- straight through. There's a lot of different ways people can can. Consume the content or get a benefit, but that commonality is just such a baseline. I did want to mention your best-selling book. You won Anxiety Zero: Win Your Life Back. Yeah, I see it behind you. Win yeah. Your Life Back from Fear and Panic. So, congratulations! I think that that's amazing. I, I love when people put that effort in. I'm wondering too, because you are high performance and you're very goal oriented and there's a lot of, um, you're kind of a maven where you're very prolific in content creation. How do you keep it all organized? Do you have like a goal setting tip that you can give people that are just like, how does she get it all done? Like she's a mom of three. Right.
1: And how do you do it? Well, yeah, it, it you know, it comes down to discipline and, it's like an unattached discipline that I learned to have because I'm, I was really just flexibility. I mean, I think rigidity creates anxiety Mm. because nothing ever goes as planned. You have to be, you know, really flexible in your day and not get upset about every little thing. And so I really took on this flexibility, which I think is amazing. I think I get a lot done with my flexibility actually. But then I started the pendulum swinging a little bit. And also, you know, when people are just, sometimes there's an attachment to it. Like they, they're, if they don't do what they say they're going to do, there's a lot of self-judgment. And I was rejecting that. But recently in the last two years, I've been kind of embracing this unattached discipline. So being disciplined for a daily routine, like the self-care stuff and the stuff to uh, prepare myself for the day, is so important. But it's not like I'm attached, like it's an obsession or a compulsion. It's like an offering, Yes. I love it as an offering. Yeah. And it's been really been changing for me, but it still takes discipline. Like I have to get up early. It's hard to get up at, you know, five and, and, you know, pray and journal, but I do it now. I do. I I'm a hand, I'm a paper person with my list and with my journals. So I have every day on a page and I schedule ahead of time what I'm going to do on that day, what I'm going to accomplish and get done. And it's, um, you know, th- that's part of the discipline. And yes, there might be some days I don't get to it all because I overdo it, but I don't know. I, I get a lot done and rejoice in it. I celebrate everything I do, every little thing, because that gets me crucial. The next. crucial. It is why I'm so happy. It's yeah, the so <laughs> good, and
0: you can see that you can absolutely see it. It's it's so interesting, you know, like the kind of trendy thing has been morning routines, and I love the fact that you brought about unattached discipline because I think when people are like, I should really do this because optimal people do 20 minutes of journaling and 20 minutes of meditation and 20 minutes of sweating. Like the first thing when they feet hit the floor, you know, and that can be like stress inducing. And I think there again, it's taking in what social media is telling you is effective. And I have to say, I do think that there is, um, benefit to that, but I love the fact that you say it's an offering and on the days that you can make it happen and it's your intent to make it happen. Like you, it's much more free flowing than like, this very robotic rigidity and then you feel like a failure if you missed a quadrant of your morning routine.
1: Yeah. I mean I've worked with people O C D for so long. So I need to I need to do it. I need to have the discipline but to approach it in a different way. Absolutely.
0: And being such a caregiver where a lot of your energy is kind of being in that compassionate space for other people, what do you do so you don't burn out? How do you fill up your cup?
1: I think that celebration is the biggest reason why I don't burn out like I celebrate everything I do plus when I work with people even though I'm working with people with horrible stories you know some you know quite terrible abuse uh, I'm always looking for that other story I'm always looking for the resilience and their strengths and the relationships that help them survive those times man I'm inspired constantly by those Mm -hmm. so as we're changing the story I come away from that talk different. So even in my work it's self-care, like I'm healing as I heal others all the time. And it, it's, it's amazing because people do come to you with your own issues. issue. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we are so all connected, right? So you help somebody. I'm, I was afraid of car accidents. And then I worked with a woman who was in a horrible car accident and recovering physically and long-term physical issues. And uh, wow, that helped me heal that. That was a long time ago. But, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's so that is self-care. So I think mm-hmm. taking care of myself, the walks, the morning stuff is for me, eating well. I do exercise, I lift weights and walk. But, uh, yeah, and so all that. And sometimes there's a Venn diagram, you know, between family time and self-care time. You know, sometimes they overlap. Yes. And you have family time is self-care time. That, that, that's the best.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that you also brought up that you're healing by helping others kind of go through that transformation because I truly, truly believe that we teach what we need to learn. And there's no better way, you know, as to see that mirror reflect back to you and then watch them get to the other side. There's a magic in that. So I really love that you brought that point up. And then, of course, self-care and family intersecting, that's really beautiful. And I think that it also helps people to be less linear or try to fit everything in a grid you know, when you can just kind of live your life in color and there isn't this black and white nine to five, and then you can be who you really are. And then you can be a good mom and a good wife. You know, it's like much more integrated. So I'm really happy that you brought that up. So what do you have on the docket? What's exciting? What's coming up either at the end of this year or turn of
1: 2019? Well, um, I just was inspired this morning. I think I'm going to put together um, a program for um, the winter solstice and hopefully it'd be ongoing, but creating vision boards and talking about like getting your marching orders. But I, I didn't say much of it. like, I am, I'm an energy healer. And I've, uh, I was a shamanic practitioner as well. And so I sometimes I get away from that. Because even the talk therapy, I feel like it's an energy therapy. And I'm really good at that. And it's something easy for people to take in. And so sometimes I just do that for a while. And, I really think that's still energy healing, but I haven't like done hands-on healing or healing with the elements in a long time or take people on shamanic journeys. Like that's when you came to my house that day. That's what we did. Yes. So I think I'm going to um, get back into that. I'm really feeling that pull. Uh, and I have this, I have a coloring book coming out. It's a healing affirmations coloring book. It is so beautiful. You can't even believe how beautiful these things are. Mm-hmm. I can <laughs> hold one up maybe, but
0: Oh my God, I can't wait yeah, to see awesome. it.
1: It's awesome. But this is like, okay, so I don't know if you could, can you see that? I can. I'm willing to be honest with myself. I love it. So these pages are, I had an artist in Sri Lanka do them. They're so beautiful and intuited. And so I, I, um yeah, I'm putting it out in the next couple of weeks. So that's going to be really exciting. I'll have a master class on how to write affirmations that work. So
0: that's amazing. And, you know, it's so interesting because I have a friend that um, is a vet. He served two tours in Iraq and came back with horrible PTSD and through his recovery um, from that. And it's obviously an ongoing process. Coloring was a part of it. And it was amazing. And I mean, it really kind of blew my mind. And it also blew away that preconceived notion, you know, because here's this beefy fit, you know, bulked up dude, you know, that's so tough. And he's saying, look at what I did. I love how these colors come together. And it really blew me away. And it was so touching. So that's amazing. I can't wait for that coloring book to come out. It's such a healing Tool and again, it like stimulates that empowerment and that release and that um, beautiful healing nature of color, which is a whole nother topic that we could be talking about.
1: Yeah, great. I, I, I know, I agree. I agree. I have a lot of Vetsu mm-hmm. color too, and it is powerful. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. How can people get a hold of you, my dear? Oh, my website's JodiAman.com, J-O-D-I-A-M-A-N.com. And everything is on there that I have to offer, you know, my blog and all the videos. And um, you could come hang out with me on social media. My Instagram is Love, is my Instagram oh handle. My, and I awesome. just started an IGTV channel, so I'm psyched. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I'll put
0: all your links in the show notes for sure. And you shared lots of tips, but I was wondering if you have one last piece of bright light wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners before
1: we wrap up. Sure. Uh, you are so much better than you think you are. You're, you have so much more potential and so much more capability and you are so much more loved than you even imagine.
0: Oh, I hope people take that deep into their heart. You are just a bright light, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom.
1: Thank you.